Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Craft Heads Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Alex, and on at least a weekly basis, my co-host Tommy and I uh, get on to have a cocktail, beer, or wine of some sort, talk about a specific topic, and also give some shout-outs and love to local and small businesses that we visit in our everyday life. Uh, Tommy, for the next week or so, uh, may or may not be available for us to record a new episode. That being said, we're still going to be bringing you content by way of some pieces of media recently, TV shows, uh, books, movies, that uh, Tara and I actually have read uh, along with our neighbor James. So be on the lookout for those. There's actually going to be, I think, two or three that we're going to be putting out. But uh, we'll be back to a regular schedule recording with Tommy uh, within a week or two. So before we get started with the upcoming episode where I have a guest on to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino movie, I did want to give a couple of shout outs uh, to, first of all, Brittany at Seven Lamps in right here in Atlanta, Georgia, and also Kelly at Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. These were two outstanding servers that uh, we had as when we recently visited the, uh, the restaurants. Really great at what they do, really friendly gals. So just wanted to give them some love. Hope to run into both of you the next time that we're at either establishment. And for the rest of the fans and listeners, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, etc., please email us at craftheadspodcast at gmail.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Craft Heads Podcast, everybody. We have another special guest this week to talk about a movie that just came out, but this is friend and a longtime listener as well, Kaylee, a.k.a. Yaley, and he joined us once before, uh, I think over a year ago. It was on episode uh, 12, Highs and Lows with Bros and Hoes, but welcome back, Yaley. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure as always, and... I'm sad Tommy can't be a part of it, but whatever. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. No, he uh, <laughs> he definitely. We we probably could have made this work, but I I wanted to make sure that we did this whenever it was very fresh for us because, uh, long story short, Yaley and I are self-proclaimed the biggest Quentin Tarantino fans in the world, and we have been. We think we've been going to the last three films for sure, maybe even four, but we have seen the last three to four Quentin Tarantino movies that came out in theaters uh, together. And we managed to finagle that again for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that Which, just came out. That was quite a miracle that we were able to pull that off. It, yeah, and it really wasn't planned. It, it was like a last-minute thing, and it just really worked out with schedules aligned. But this just came out um, on July 26th, so by the time you hear this, maybe a little bit over a week ago. I, obviously, the, uh, and for the listeners, this is going to be a spoilers episode. We're gonna If you haven't seen it yet and you want to and don't want anything spoiled, definitely... Uh, you know, tune out now and come back at another time. Just to give everybody a little bit of background on it, because I think fewer people realize this than than I ever realized, is that it is loosely based on the uh, on Charles Manson and the Manson family in California in the late '60s and the whole thing that happened with them. And basically, uh, Sharon Tate, who was a very 
promising and up and coming uh, actress at the time was actually murdered by the Manson family. And one thing that my biggest takeaway, and we'll, we'll dive into this in great detail, but my biggest takeaway from from this and, and frankly, multiple of the most recent Quentin Tarantino movies is that it's a revenge fantasy of Quentin Tarantino's. I haven't looked any of this up, but I'm guessing that maybe it, this is uh, maybe Quentin Tarantino's a, a huge he was a huge fan of hers or. Maybe it's just sort of like a camaraderie thing among people in Hollywood. But what ends up transpiring in the movie, it seems to me like it, it's just a fantasy from his own mind of what he wishes could have happened. And not unlike, for example, in Inglorious Bastards, whenever <laughs> justice is is had and yeah. Hitler gets turned into Swiss cheese at the end, you know, and uh, obviously the events of Django Unchained, things like that. So. With that, Yaley, I want to ask you a broader question before we talk about the movie. What, what is so special to you about Quentin Tarantino and his films? Oh, um, I, I think that's a tough question yeah. to answer with at least like one straight answer. I think my favorite thing about the way that he does films is he has... I mean, there's so many people that say that, you know, he revolutionized the way films were made. And there's so many different ways you could say he's done that. Um, but I think on a per more personal level for me, it was more of the fact that just with at least my and probably you and other people who are friends with us, our sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, he's able to take you know, almost action-y violence, like over-the-top violence, and play to, like, my funny strings, for lack of a better term. And it, the way that he's able to take, like, a serious story and get a really good plot across while entertaining me with humor in a, I would say, a very untraditional way is something that I hold very as very unique. Yeah. That's and a, there's that's a great there, I don't think there's anybody else that really has done anything like that for me. And and, and just, you know, every, there's so many things that so many different people in the world love about his films and I'm sure I'm aligned with a lot of those. Um, but just as a unique way of telling a story, whether it be like the chronological mix-ups that he does and, you know, what have you. In so many of his films, he's done that. Mm -hmm. But the, his unique way of telling a story and being able to almost caps, capsule, uh, capsulate. Encapsulate, yes. I think. <laughs> uh, um, the way that he's able to take almost several different genres Yep. of movies and and throw them into one and it, it it can just i i really don't understand if i don't think i've ever met anybody who's like oh i don't like tarantino films yeah who's like ever watched them i yeah but, i think i i might have heard a few people say that and and i would argue that anybody who is that way just really hasn't given them a fair shake or you know it's also possible that they just, they just simply don't get it and that's fine too but you know what? i lied uh not to throw him under the bus, and he's never going to hear this, but my stepfather, yeah, uh, Sam, he uh, probably for 
bogus reasons at least in my opinion they are like yeah he, he, he hates on tarantino just because i he, but he i know for a fact he doesn't give him a fair shake yeah so. well and and I, I that might even be a generational thing that's not to say that you know all middle-aged men don't like nothing could be further from the truth but i could definitely see just somebody like that just they they want a movie it's uh good versus evil there's a good guy, the bat, the good guy triumphs and it's very straightforward and it's, it's 90 minutes long and, you know, just basically everything as cookie cutter as you can make it. I mean, cause yeah. Tarantino is the complete antithesis of that. Yeah. And I think my entire life, I've personally have always been drawn to something that's just different and unique. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I've always found the weirdest ways of doing things. And even though sometimes they're met with hardship, uh, I, I somehow find my own way to beat a path for myself and i feel like he did that with film hey you know you're in very good company on the craft heads podcast yeah especially yeah, with myself sure. in particular so yeah totally relatable but summing up your your answer maybe not totally eloquently but your answer to me sounds like his sense of humor that's what is so special in a, in a way that's like the one of the biggest things because it appeals to you personally absolutely yeah and i agree with you 100 percent and taking it a step further, def, especially in the recent years, you know, in the past decade, I'll, I'll say bastards onward. It seems to me like every movie he comes out is a love letter to us. It makes he's so good at what he does and that exact sense of humor that you're talking about. It makes me feel like he wrote the movie for you and me. And, yeah. the, and what and, we love. And I, and I noticed, especially in Hollywood, and it, it happens with increasing atten- intensity and frequency with every movie, he makes, he makes references and buries tiny little Easter eggs. And when I say Easter eggs, they're not real crazy. It's sometimes the way a line is delivered or literally a word or a phrase. And it makes, and he's, he's definitely referring to a previous film of his and mm-hmm. non-QTites would not pick up on it. It's just Absolutely, yeah. really, really subtle things. Like, just while I'm on the topic, I noticed three head nods in a row in like a five-minute segment. Uh, it was it was in the movie whenever um, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Rick Dalton is his name in the movie, so I guess we'll call him Rick. Uh, Rick is filming a scene for a new TV show that he's on. Um, oh, shit. What was it called? Lancers, I think, was the name of the show that they were making. And they were standing outside of a saloon, and there was this one. He said, that's Johnny Madrid was the guy's name. And the one guy was like, who's Johnny Madrid or something like that? And it reminded me of who's... Oh, Daisy Dombergoo. How does he say Who who the fuck is... Who the fuck is Daisy Daisy Dombergoo? Exactly. And there was that. They walked right into into that pub... And Rick Dalton was smoking a cigarette at the top of a staircase in poor lighting conditions. That's Django. So that's Hafeweight and Django yeah. right there. And uh, that there the was act- one real obvious one. Yeah, exactly. And there was uh, actually the director do- name. Um, the director name. In when they're listing, Rick Dalton goes overseas to Europe. Oh to yeah, um, Antonio Margarete. Yeah. Yes, that, that and and even and again as as far as like phrases or inflections of the voice and things like that whenever 
Rick Dalton gets really mad as the villain. He's holding that little girl hostage and he throws her on the ground. He almost says identically when he freaks out at the dinner table and Django, he's like, you, you got that? Huh? And his voice almost squeaks again. Just like when he says, how's it going to be doc? Huh? Or whatever. Yeah. In yeah. uh, that's just, that is not a coincidence. That's absolutely no. by design. And I think a lot of people what's like, it gonna be? Maybe the the uh the uninitiated yes. would would see that and maybe they saw like one or two films and they would be like, Oh well that just sounds like Django. Like he's just repeating the character. But they don't see that that is directed. That's yes. absolutely done on purpose. It's for us. Yeah, it's <laughs> for the people like us who love his films. Yeah. And like there were probably three or four instances in the film in Hollywood where Brad Pitt, his character, who was named uh, Cliff um, Booth. Cliff Booth, that's yeah. right. Um, just the way that he says things, there's like maybe three or four times in that film where it almost sounds exactly like his character Aldo Rain in Bastards. Yep, absolutely. The, the general accent, a, a lot of the things that he delivers. Um, yeah, and just the delivery of words themselves. Like, yeah. There's that one period, I don't even remember the context of it, but he just goes, nope. Yep, exactly. I, I know exactly what you're like he does about. it in Bastards. And yeah. like, anybody else would be like, oh, it just sounds just like his old character, but it's it's done with intent. Yeah, and he hasn't done it forever. It's like I said, I've I've noticed the increasing frequency of it in in the past, you know, decade, or like past three, four movies. But one one last quick reference, and and we'll we'll move back into like the plot of the of the movie from the beginning. But uh, I love how the dog uh, Cliff's dog's name is Brandy, and that is a repeated word reference because in Hateful Eight. Whenever, uh, who who is it? Is Quentin Tarantino the narrator? I can't. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, Hateful he Eight. Is. He says about Samuel Jackson's character. Oh my God, Major. What's his last name? I feel Mar- Major Marquis Warren is his last yes, name. Ma- Warren, Major Warren. Major Warren. So whenever, right after he uh, he shoots somebody else in that movie, the Quentin Tarantino comes on and does all the narrating and it just cuts over to Major Major Warren and he says Major Warren sat and drank brandy or something like that. Yeah. And and because and there was another cut in this movie Kurt Russell was the narrator and it cut it to the dog and said brandy paste in the living or something like that guarding guarding uh uh Rick's new wife or something. Yeah, he it, did the same style of narration where it just gave yes. like the the minute details of what every character was doing in that moment. Yeah, exactly. One by one. So and yeah, same same exact thing. We definitely covered that ad nauseum, which is fine. Basically why we love Quentin Tarantino so much. But starting from the beginning, um my my initial like thoughts from this movie as I was experiencing it, it was I, I would say, and I don't say this in a bad way at all, but I think it was the slowest burn and had the longest buildup of any QT movie in recent history. But it also potentially had the biggest payoff at the end. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I It definitely had one of the, I guess you could call it a setup, one of the longest setups. Yes. but uh, like, And also one of the most thirst-quenching 
Um, <laughs> Good word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thirst quenching, which is also referenced in Hateful Eight. Yeah. Un- in- unintentional. Yeah. But um, it definitely had the most thirst quenching finale. Like, yeah. To that long buildup. Yeah. But in my opinion, like someone who would, like, I would never recommend to see this film for a first Quentin Tarantino film ever. No. No. Because you would get burnt out. Yeah. That's, um, that's actually really good advice. Yeah. So if you have not seen any Tarantino films, do not go and see Start this film and and make your judgments on that. Yeah. Because um, like you said, the buildup was long, but it made that the finale was not like super drawn out or long. No, it's like 10 minutes. Yeah. It really wasn't long, but the buildup to it, even though it was long, it made it so worth it. Exactly. Like, the, the character development and everything and, and how, you know, in qu- typical Tarantino fashion, like he usually kind of collides his storylines at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. And he kind of surprised me because I, I purposefully did not research this movie going into it. As me neither. I usually do. With I didn't even look at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I want a total clean slate. Interest I have. Um, but, you know, I, I really didn't know what the plot was going to be. I knew the reference of the 60s. And uh, the Manson family was somehow involved. Yes. So when, as we talked about earlier, almost like an alt history. Exactly. Like bastards. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I loved how it ended up and it was a total shock to me. Yes. So, uh, and we can dive into that later. But um, yeah, I I just. Yeah. It 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 made it worth it. It was a shock to me also because I can remember, I, I was actually a little bit put off whenever the even the idea of the movie was revealed whenever it was two years ago maybe i remember us texting each other and it was like this movie his the next movie is going to be about charles manson which by the way it wound up it is not about charles manson he's he's really a side piece it's obviously about i think he has a minute of screen time yeah yeah he comes up to the door and his character he's yeah yeah, he's looking for somebody and that's it but i did uh, i thought was neat (laughs) yeah i did too it was great but it's just i i was sort of like okay what's qt doing and i basically just trusted him as i always do and as usual he didn't let me now let me down but i i think it's really interesting and important because charles manson is one of those names that i think everybody's heard but not a lot of people knew what he did or what he was responsible for and I think people know that he was responsible for multiple murders exactly but i don't think people really know what his story was yeah and like this this sharon tate this up-and-coming actress like she was uh she was 26 years old beautiful girl very talented and she she was eight and a half months pregnant with a baby uh, she was married to Roman Polanski, who is a, a very renowned director and producer in in Hollywood, especially from that time. So it's just it is true. Anybody who died, obviously, it was it was tragic. But for something this high profile to happen, it was just completely insane. And watching the movie, I felt like an intense hatred for these people. And I can certainly see why somebody with such love for film and Hollywood and the arts and everything out there to have like a personal vendetta against the Manson family, you know? And, and that's, again, I, I'm putting my own, I'm projecting my own thoughts onto, onto Tarantino. I don't know if that's how he feels, but I think the movie makes it quite clear how he feels about the Manson family. 
Uh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and I, I don't have any any problem with law abiding. I shouldn't say law abiding. I don't have any problem with hippies that don't kill people, but the murderous ones in the movie I do. And the words "fucking hippies" is you are used like a dozen times at least, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, just, that's that's great. Yeah, but um, so yeah, basically. The, I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. You know, it, it really, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming something like that probably was a giant culture shock to Hollywood, the whole quote unquote Hollywood scene mm-hmm. um, to hear something like that have actually happened. Right. So I kind of like how it being an alt history or what have you, mm-hmm. um, the the title in itself, Once Upon a Time yes. in Hollywood. Yes. Like, and didn't and make like sense the, until the movie was over. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, it kind of hints to how he has his own ending. It's a fairy tale story. Yeah, and yep. it's a fairy tale and it, it kind of gives you that like every fairy tale starts with once upon a time. Yep. And I really liked how he did that too. So Agreed. Agreed. Um let's talk about the insane as usual uh, ensemble cast. So it has Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie plays um Sharon Tate. Uh, one of the names that I liked seeing and was a very fresh face for a Tarantino movie, Timothy Oliphant. I, I really, yeah. or however, excuse me, however you pronounce his last name, I think that's what it is, but I really liked his ro- role. He was a co-star in the, the new TV show that they were shooting in the movie Lancers. Uh, Dakota Fanning was in it. She was a gross character. Ugh. Yeah. She um, played it. Squeaky. Played it very well. Yeah. Played it very squeaky. Well. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I hated her. So she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Dern was amazing as I mean, as Bruce always. Dern is amazing, but he had a great role. Fun fact, that was initially going to be Burt Reynolds. His character. Yes, he was going to Burt Reynolds was going to play the George Spawn on the Spawn Ranch. And he, I, I'm kind of embarrassed. And I think it's because I deleted Twitter, which is, you know, years ago, which is great. But I didn't know Burt Reynolds died recently. He died in 2018. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So and, I'm right with you. Yeah. So he never wound up getting to be filmed for those. And that's why Bruce Bruce Stern is in that role. But I think the reason he was going to be cast for that is Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth are loosely based off of Burt Reynolds. Not his, not his story in Hollywood, obviously, but as far as uh, the kind of movies he was in and his career and stuff. Burt Reynolds and his longtime uh, stuntman. And they, they were like real big homies and really close and everything. And so that's what that relationship is actually loosely based off of, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and, and one, I have done negative research on this film, even since seeing it. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you, and I don't know if you'll know this, but uh, the George character, was there any historical validity to his character? Uh, shit, George. Uh, George Spawn? Yes. Uh, well, actually, I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna see if I can check and read simultaneously because I'm pretty sure the spawn the that was indeed the spawn ranch. But uh, and then the, the real quick, the other person that I forgot to mention, uh, Al Pacino, randomly in it. Yeah, and not right. a huge role, but a very good role. Um, yeah, all the same. Yeah, uh, I I was able to actually quickly confirm that on on Wikipedia that the spawn ranch was real and it is where they basically set up shop and. It was George Spawn was a real person, and he was okay. near, nearly blind, and he was eighty years old, and he occasionally had sex uh, with the some of the female Manson family members. So 
the whole the whole thing is completely insane. It truly yeah. is. I mean, it is. It's definitely not only is the the movie amazing, but reading about Charles Manson and the Manson family is is worth reading about and knowing about. Uh, I won't go too far into that topic because this this podcast is primarily about the movie, and I'm not an expert. But yeah, uh, I would say research it on your own. It is an interesting story, however horrific it is. Yeah. Um, but the ideal ideology of the whole Manson family was totally fucked. Yeah, I mean, um, it's like especially without being able to do or without having done any prior research, that little mini soliloquy of sorts that that really strange looking Asian girl, she was one of the the family members at the end in the the final sequence. Her yeah, Sadie. Whole, yeah, Sadie's whole thing was like, okay, this this these people are whack jobs. I mean, totally yeah. off the rockers. Well, she as that character was real. And um, she actually spoke openly, and there's recordings of her speaking openly about her experience with the Manson family and everything. I think she's alive and out of prison. Yeah, that very well may be true. Keep going. I don't know the answer to it. I'm going to double check. um, To any music fans out there, uh, alternative or whatever, there is a song actually out by Alkaline Trio called Sadie. Uh-huh. And it is about her specifically, and it actually has a little excerpt of a recording of her interview, um, like wow. post the the whole event. Right. And um, it's a very dark song, but a very good song. So if anybody wants to check that out, feel free. It's it's interesting. I was actually hoping it would be referenced, but actually knowing it would never be referenced in the movie. Yeah. But uh, exactly. Great great song, and uh, yeah, it's 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 all about that. So. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was a little bit confused because her real her her given name. Yeah, she they had a a fake name. Su- yeah, Susan Denise Atkins, but she was Sadie yes. Mae Glutz or something like Sexy Sadie, I guess was That's her it. moniker of sorts. But um, Kate she, just looked it up and sent it to me. <laughs> yeah, nice. She is, thanks, Kate. She <laughs> is dead. Actually, she died in twenty uh, two thousand nine. But there was a, there was another one that I am pretty sure was like one a pretty high profile one. Maybe even in the Tate murders that was released. Uh, maybe it was Linda. Yeah, Linda Kasabian, I believe. Um, was another interview. She. She was involved. She was a key witness in in the prosecution uh, of Manson and his followers in the Tate murders in 1969, according to Wikipedia. But she's she's alive and um, thinks she's out of jail. I don't know. I, again, I don't want to. Don't quote, don't, yeah, don't quote me on that and, you know, check that out on your, on your own. Yeah. But, uh, back to, we, you know, we, we were initially talking about the, the, the sort of, I don't want to call it a slog cause God, it's anything but that. But I just remember so many scenes in the movie that I was like, this is classic Tarantino. Like a scene would start up, it would take forever and it wasn't anything but world building. Like it, yeah, it, it, it was completely unquote necessary but i still loved every second of it and was just totally enthralled with the movie as a whole and um i also wanted to read off some i found a pretty interesting list you can google this yourself it's from the chicago sun times uh it's called the best treats uh, trifles and trivia of quentin tarantino's latest movie and there's a bunch of really cool stuff on here um but one of the things that i told like the burt reynolds thing i found that on on this list i'm pretty sure but uh, this is ridiculous. So how about 
I saw that Quentin Tarantino played him. He played himself in another cameo role in the movie. He's done that in a couple. You know, he was the that one slaver, the Australian slaver in Django. Yeah. He was the voice in Hateful, Hateful Eight. Um, I can't remember if he did anything in Bastards. I don't think so. No. But he, I did see that he was supposed to be like a a film director of a of a Red Apple Tobacco commercial in this. And then the movie ended, and we got home, and I realized we never saw him. Well, do you remember what? Whenever we were in the theater, whenever we left, and I was like, "Oh, is there anything in the credits?" And Yodi said, "No." Yes, there is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, the the one because t- he never does that usually. Meeting well, you know, that's, that is one thing that I loved about him. He didn't usually buy into that. Yeah, stuff, and, that's upsetting. And he succumbed to it. But I'm I'm quite certain just from from reading this. Uh, it says an end credits cookie scene features DiCaprio's Rick Dalton in his bounty law wardrobe shooting a commercial for Red Apple unfiltered cigarettes, which have appeared in previous Tarantino written and directed films, including Pulp Fiction from Dust Till Dawn and Inglorious Bastards uh, and obviously um, Hateful Eight. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so apparently there was a, a little cameo of his in, in or after the credits. But um, even if it's not directly referenced, there's usually something in his films with Red Apple tobacco. Yes. Exactly. Um, Manzano Roja. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. So what what else can we talk about specifically with this movie? I mean, are there, is there anything else that jumps out about you? Uh, any particular plot points? There, I don't know if anybody else has noticed, and you know, maybe you're not if you're if you're not the the disciples that Yaley and I are, but Quentin Tarantino has a huge foot fetish, and there was a lot, and he has feet scenes in all of his movies. At least to my knowledge, yeah, I, mean, I can certainly think of them off the top of my head. And there was a lot of foot time, like there was, uh, there was a lot in puss, this film. Yeah, Pussy Cat's foot up on the windshield, yeah. uh, Margot Robbie's feet, who uh, Sharon Tate in the movie theater, like a lot of screen time, just hilarious. And something else I noticed about the way that he films, especially in this film, and I'll, I'll have to look at other films as I watch them for the billionth time again, mm-hmm. um, but just simple ways of when a character is walking or traveling, yeah, he usually, like if someone is just going to go from point A to point B, the way he usually films those, at least in this one, and like I said, I'll, I'll go back and check the other ones to see if he does it, but... He usually starts with a headshot, and then as they travel, he pans down to their feet. Yeah, it's like a head-to-toe thing. As they're walking. Yeah. And then once they arrive to, to point B, he'll then pan back up to the head. Yep. And I do, like he did that several times in this film, and I don't know if he does it with other ones, but it's something I noticed in this one. That, that's Yeah, maybe, maybe it was a little bit more on the nose or something or... Uh, that's that's a cool thing that we can definitely watch out for in, in all his other movies. But it, it, I noticed there was a lot of, like you said, even just filming, going from point A to point B, there were a lot of scenes where people were just filmed driving. And that's all. A lot of ones, especially with Cliff Booth's uh, character. He loves that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. so all the way back to the question of like, why do we love him? I mean, that we gave our number one reason, but his attention to detail and showing you things that don't matter that is what I love so much, and the and his. I know this is a, a pretty heavy word, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not a filmmaker, or whatever. His cinematography, the way that he shoots everything. I mean, the tiniest little details. It's 
you can tell like a like a directional microphone is pointed at stuff because sounds that aren't that loud or pronounced are extremely pronounced in, in his films. And yeah. I love, for example, you know, whether it's pouring coffee or somebody chewing or whatever, but the the examples I'm thinking of in my head right now visually are every time he opens a can of dog food and plops it into Brandy's bowl, yeah. all, it always goes down to the bowl and shows the plop real close up. And he, he does yeah. it. He, that's just, that's his style. You know, that's what and, he yeah. does. It is, and that's that's almost like an artistic taste, like the same as music or preference, what have you. Totally. Of uh, the way that he makes film. Uh, the reference I was thinking of was in Bastards with uh, Hans Landa with the f- the finger on the lap. Yeah. Oh, does, yeah. That that does not make a noise. Yeah. Like I'm tr- I'm doing it right now. Yeah. And there's it's basically inaudible, like just putting my finger down on my knee, pointing to it. And it's yep. it's so good. That, that's but there's a, a really in the movie, there's a little pop and it's just like yeah. you hear this little pop noise. It's real it's like, satisfying. That, that doesn't happen, but yeah. it's great. It makes the film wonderful. Which coincidentally is also the uh, a foot scene in in Bastards, which is great. Yes. An intimate yeah. foot scene. But yeah, um, very much so. Very intimate. Dude, let's <laughs> I have a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up. But let's talk about the actual ending dude yeah um oh that could be the cocktail of of the the episode because i'm not drinking anything but yaley just showed me on screen he's drinking a truly <laughs> <laughs> hard seltzer yeah. right yes sir what what flavor what abv tell us a little bit about truly we'll come right back to qt yeah this is uh craft heads podcast so we should probably talk about some kind of alcoholic beverage at some point you saved me thank you yeah yeah <laughs> Um, it's a truly, I know you guys referenced these before you and Tommy. Yeah. Um, I heard you guys talk about them. Uh, this is, it just says with a hint of orange. Okay. So we got an orange uh, truly. Yeah. 5%. Nice. Um, Sounds like a beer. Pretty, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much, I think all the hard seltzers are straight five. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, Kate and I love them and. Is it pretty standard drinking thing for you then? Yeah, I would say so. Like it's if you're going to say drinking and if you're going to put drinking and health in the same sentence, which you really can't, right. Uh, this would be probably the best way to do it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I figured someone should be here representing. You are. Th- thank you for covering my ass. I, I yeah. love it, dude. I'm, I'm so glad we didn't have to go without a drink. <laughs> but uh, This is I, the nightcap episode. It is a nightcap episode. <laughs> and, and I, for one drank much too much last night, actually. We, uh, we we went out uh, to the billiards and I had a couple shots before I was in I was in really good spirits pun intended and I was like I'm gonna do a couple shots before I go out which I seriously never do anymore so yeah that's it's my very rare that I do either yeah so that's that's my tangent of the my my sidebar of the evening but uh, back to I, I wanted to talk about the ending of the movie and truly how I mean Tarantino's getting he's getting more over the top. And he st- he really got over the top, like, I guess, starting with Bastards, I would say. And then it just kept going from there. It escalated. Django was a gore fest. Hateful Eight was a gore fest. And yeah. then this one, for the last 10, 15 minutes, is maybe the maybe the most violent and visceral, which I loved. Yeah, I think just the sheer aggression. Yes, that was present in yes. the violence yeah. was, I, I think this one takes the cake. It does. You know? I, it, I, it, I was gasping. I was making sounds. You know, we're in a movie theater. 
And I remember being like, oh my God, yeah. you know, just, I just, I was making While noises. laughing at the same time. Yeah, well, yeah, while we were, I mean, we were hooting and hollering and I got to hear plenty of my favorite Yaley laughter, which <laughs> Ye- Yaley has my favorite laughter of any of my friends, hands down. But when it's when it's real genuine. Yeah, whenever whenever it's it's loud and boisterous. If if Yaley's really laughing at something, it's it's incredible. Um, I'll I'll get I'll get a clip of it on CHB sometime. Oh God! <laughs> but it could it could it could be a, a a weekly episode excerpt. Yeah, it, maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll like take a break for Yaley laughter. But oh. um, yeah. Anyways, the so the the Manson family members walk in, and I guess. Obviously, anybody who has seen it, they already know all this, but they they walk in and Brad Pitt is uh, Cliff Booth. Rather, he is tripping on acid because he was he smoked uh, an acid laced cigarette and he's like kind of chill with the whole thing. And he recognizes them from the ranch and he, he doesn't know if he's hallucinating or what. And it's so great because finally the they end this conversation. And apparently this text is, is the guy's name also based on a real family member. He's yep. about to shoot him, and Cliff just does his noise for Brandy to sick him, and it just goes off the rails from there. It like practically yeah. rips his arm off, and then it, they Total show it like story. eating his dick, and he sicks it, sicks Brandy off of him and onto one of the other girls, and then um, Rick Dalton's Italian immigrant wife knocks the one she punches her in the face and just chaos ensues but the best thing for me was cliff throwing that can of dog food at sadie if if, hitting her square in the face yes and and i mean they they tarantino just keeps showing it up close and her face is so hideously deformed like there's a circular shape from the edge of the can digging an inch into her (laughs) face and she's just she never stops screaming for like three more minutes as she's yeah. running around and getting eaten by this dog. Arms flailing. Yeah, he's and the and then the other girl, he smashes her head on like six different things, including a fireplace mantle, like a, stu- a was, sharp. That was the. Best that was one of the ones I was just gasping at. I mean, my yeah. mouth was agape, and I was in heaven. And then the best. Her part, head was just mush. Yes, and then Sadie at the very end. She manages to like jump through a window outside and Rick Dalton is just sitting in the pool listening to music. And he's like, what the fuck? You know, he has no idea what was going on. And just Tarantino escalates it farther, further. He goes and gets a flamethrower from the old Nazi movie that he was in. It was very reminiscent of Bastards, by the way. And yes. and just lights Sadie up in the pool until she's... Burnt to a crisp. By the way, they said burnt yeah. to a crisp in that movie. That is, did they? Yes, it is not a coincidence. You know, uh, yeah, thirty-seven men burnt to a crisp. But See, a good a good rule of thumb for all of Tarantino's films: there are no coincidences. Th- yeah, that's that's Never. a good point. That's a good yeah. takeaway from his movies. But uh, God, I mean, there's there are so many things I wanted to talk about. It, this much like any other podcast I record on Craft Heads, I'm gonna think of other things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to be able to cover it all, but I, yeah, I will we, say we this. could spend so many, so much time yeah. sitting here talking about this film. Definitely. So many others, but I know we, we try to, you try to keep these, uh, what half hour or so. Yeah. Long. Usually we're, around, we're already over that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> usually around a half an hour. Sometimes they run long, especially if we have a guest, but, uh, one, one thing I will say that's funny, the internet, uh, no surprise hasn't changed. 
Uh, I was Googling Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I wanted to bring up a couple tabs just to be able to reference if I wanted to. And one of the first headlines that I saw was something like Bruce Lee actor, which I think his name is Mike Moe. Yeah, Mike Moe, M-O-H. He played Bruce Lee in the movie. And I saw the headline said like Bruce Lee actor defends Bruce Lee's fight scene in movie oh, or whatever. God. Which I just... Shut the fuck up. Yeah, please. Oh, my, of course there was backlash. And you know what? If there's backlash about that, there's probably a dozen more articles already floating out there two weeks after the movie comes out about somebody bitching about something. And it's like, I I, I even saw one about this inter, whatever the word, I, I, these words are making my head spin, but like intersectionalist feminist or something. Some girl wrote about it and she was basically saying that she is she feels guilty watching his movies because they don't appeal to her and all this. But she was like, I love the movies though. And it's like, then, then just shut the fuck up and love the movies. You know, like either love the movie and shut up or don't go see them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and she even mentioned something like that. I didn't even read the whole article, but it just, it never ceases to amaze me what people manage to get up in arms about. The Bruce Lee scene is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really like that one, and I, I, I even, you know, what's sad is when watching that scene and and the quote unquote way that he portrayed Bruce Lee in that film. Yeah, I I've just felt it in my gut. I'm like, someone's gonna complain about this. Yep, someone's gonna bitch about it. Yep, about his and, legacy or something yeah, like that. Like, and and you know what's even better is given the nature of that whole entire film, like you're, it's a look at what happens. Yes. Yeah, like, no, can, good way can you it. just take something with a grain of salt and just be like, okay, it's Tarantino being insane. It's Tarantino being Tarantino. Yeah, so like, just shut up. Yeah, it's yeah. a fucking movie, dude. Yep. Well, like, it's not a historical documentary, so shut up. Yep, that could be said about any number of things, but I don't. I was gonna say we're in the minority. We're not. We're actually in the great majority, but the majority is usually quiet. It's this the. Here's yeah. another pun. It's the squeaky, <laughs> squeaky wheels <laughs> that that uh, get the oil. So there you yeah. go. But yeah, there's there's other things. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up anyways. If you think of anything else crazy, I can include some footnotes. Uh, just text me Yaley, and I'll include okay. it on the footnotes of the episode. But uh, thank you for taking the time to join us on on our nightcap episode here. Uh, I, you know, you're welcome anytime. So if we, you know, if we ever just want to do another random one on one or something, you know, you're welcome back. But thank you also for taking the time to coordinate uh, being able to see that in person because that that was special for me. I know it's special for you. And if he has any more, which who knows, that could have been his last rodeo. um, I heard a rumor that he's supposed to do 10. And was that his good ninth? That was the ninth. Dude. So yeah, 10's a good number. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why he would ever stop making film, but yeah, that's very true. But let's say he only does do 10 regardless Let's commit here on air. We got to see the next one together too. Oh, I will not see it. I don't care if it's a year later. I will not see it until it's with you. At this point, we have to. I mean, we have to. Absolutely. But no, uh, dude, thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be able to just be on here and BS about Tarantino and that you chose me to do it. Uh, We have several friends that are are in this uh, that that love Tarantino equally. so I was really happy that you uh, 
allowed me to come on and talk with you. Oh, dude, it was a real pleasure. And and Tarantino is like, he's a piece of the glue that has held us together and bonded us. Absolutely. Legitimately. That, so. And I, going back to the first question about like why I love him so much, that is like right up there. Yeah. Is the fact that his films have made my relationships with lifelong friends. Yes that much stronger it has enriched them. and yeah it's definitely made them just you know as stupid of a thing as it is like it it really has enhanced hey it's the it's, friendships. Not, it's the same thing as bonding over liking a band yeah you know what i, I guess, mean yeah i guess that's or, true. or an author of books so it's seriously yeah. that simple but yeah um thank you too for i mean i don't think that that would have been possible if you hadn't pulled the executive uh the executive order there. Yeah, I just said, and, you know what? I'm just, I'm doing this. I'm gonna be there. We're gonna do this. Yeah, you, you pulled the Yodi, and it was. That's brilliant. right. I'm an adult, and I can do what I want. Uh, yes, you are, <laughs> and yes, you can. Yeah. Thanks again, uh, Yaley. Dude, thank you. See, see ya. <laughs>